First and Now, the official BC Lions podcast is originating inside the GoGoat Sports Studios at the Wall Center on Burrard Street. Matt Baker, Nick Kowalski, and uh, we are we're moving forward. It has been an interesting, not necessarily in a great way, last couple of days in the Lions Den. Uh, certainly was concerning at the time Nathan Rourke went down. Early in the fourth quarter on Friday night, but uh, we've spoken to Nathan. Uh, you've heard from Nathan uh, speaking after practice on Monday um, in good spirits. And the whole team is in good spirits, Nick. Uh, no other way to start this podcast than to talk about the news of the week, but um, guys are moving forward. Yeah, I mean, goes without saying, but super unfortunate uh, what happened to Nathan. Um you we you're kind of hoping for the best on that on that plane ride back to to Vancouver after that win, but uh, unfortunately, it was maybe a, a one of the more worst case scenarios that came uh, about with his foot. But um, I mean Nathan's looking out for his long term health, and the team understands that too, and it's why he's getting surgery uh, this week. But I mean, yeah, like they brought in they talked about this in February. When I say they, I mean Rick Campbell and uh, Neil McAvoy. But they brought in. Michael O'Connor because they felt that he could be the guy too if, if necessary and now was uh now's the time for him to be that guy is Michael's been saying he's not gonna uh be he's not gonna try to be Nathan Rourke in that offense he's gonna try to be Michael O'Connor and I mean based off what we've seen in this short period of time whether it's preseason um whether it's even today in practice if we want to get into that I mean he looks like he's just gonna fill in just nicely yeah we we kind of jetted out right after practice to get down here uh, to the studio but we both kind of took note of how in command he looked, and it's practice, right? It's it's non padded. It's it's uh, not necessarily, You know, you take it for what it is because quarterbacks can't get hit in practice, all that. But the Skelly, he looked fantastic. Yes, throws a nice ball. He was hitting all of his receivers, and that's that's been the best trait of this offense. Is Nathan Rourke pre injury used everyone? I mean, we've seen games where we've had four or five different receivers record at least five or six catches. You know, his ability to share it, to spread it around, and with the injuries they've had to the likes of Brian Burnham, most notably on offense, um, and, and this is an offense that's on pace to hit some pretty interesting heights. We'll get into that. But, yeah, it, tracing it back to the free agency period where Michael O'Reilly had moved on, and, and Nathan Rourke was declared the guy right away. I, I was a little surprised at that, but now we know why they did that. Michael O'Connor comes in on free agency, and <laughs> to the outsiders, uh, to the media, and it's natural, two Canadians, this is great, but you said it. Michael O'Connor is a guy who's been a Vanier Cup MVP with UBC in 2015, and Blake Nill, the head coach of the T-Birds, told me this. They attempted to recruit Michael they weren't expecting to get him. What they were trying to do was they were trying to send a message to people, to other other possible recruits. This is the type of players we're going after. And lo and behold, he ends up coming. And what he accomplished at UBC was, we just talked about it there, uh, took that program to new heights in one year. So this is a kid who's been itching to get his chance. It'll be his first official start. He received some spot duty toward the end of 2019 with the Toronto Argonauts. Didn't uh, see receive any playing time in Calgary last year, and that to me tells me this kid is hungry. Exactly too, and I think for those who aren't really fully aware of who Michael O'Connor is, he's a tall guy, more of a more of a standard kind of pocket passer kind of quarterback. Like he he'll stick in the pocket and find his reads, and 
Um, something I've observed with him is he's really good on the rollout. We saw it in the preseason a couple of right. times where he hit Josh Pearson on a deep touchdown. And uh, with which something that goes with that thought about him uh, being a strong thrower on the run is that he uh, he's not afraid to go deep. And we saw it today in practice. He's, he's not afraid to air it out. So for those who are maybe thinking that, oh, they have, there's no more Nathan Rourke, this BC Lions passing attack's going to take a major hit. I mean, Michael O'Connor is not afraid to make any throw in the field. And even there's been the narrative, too, that, oh, Saskatchewan's going to blitz this young quarterback and make him make mistakes. Yeah. But I think Michael O'Connor, he's been he's been learning through these past couple months. And, um, I mean, even if, even if he's getting blitzed a lot and he's finding the hot route or he's finding JB on the flat just to check it down, like, that's... That's that's a successful play in my mind too because when defense is blitz, they're trying to make you make a bad play. They're not trying to make you make a a, a short play, right? They're trying to make you make a mistake. But if Michael's if he shows this weekend that he's able to handle that and then uh, take those calculated shots uh, when need be, I mean, there's a couple defensive backs on Saskatchewan that tend to bite on uh, <laughs> on, uh, on 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 uh, shorter double moves. I'm not naming any names, but uh, well, we, we heard. Oh, we, well, it's online. We heard yeah. Lucky Whitehead talking about him, yeah. but yeah. that's you so, can you can read between the lines. Yeah, that's you're right. That's something I'm looking out for on Friday. I think Saskatchewan's going to be antsy to get after Michael O'Connor, but if he can prove to hang in there and then. Uh, take those calculated shots, I think uh, I think the offense is going to be just fine. Once again, though, uh, kudos to Nathan Rourke for uh, putting himself out there talking and, yeah. and explaining the exact process and being open about how serious he felt right away when he went down. And I don't know, I can't remember what your perspective was at the time, but game time, you and I are kind of all over the place, running up and down the sideline. You're filming stuff to post after the fact. I'm trying to film stuff to post in real time. And I think I was kind of just in front of the bench. And I knew it was a situation where, um, I think it was a punting situation. So I was kind of repositioning myself to get to where the ball was going to go. You're talking during the injury? During the injury, I'm thinking, oh, okay, someone's down here. Who's down? And I look over and then I realize who was down. I was like, oh no, this can't be. Oh yeah. And then we kind of have a group text message with all our marketing folks, and and that just starts blowing up on the I WhatsApp. Didn't even oh look my at god! Because yeah. they're they're watching on TV and they're seeing it. Because you know, props to CFL on TSN, they're capturing it all up close, and we're not necessarily seeing the reaction to him and to the trainers and and my role in the communications. I kind of have to stay close and update both the TV and and Moj and Julio up in our radio booth. And right away, you just kind of, you just kind of feel the wind out of the sails a little bit, and he gets worked on, and, and but you're you're expecting right away this isn't great. He's gonna miss some time. Is he? Is it gonna require surgery? You don't know. And and you hit on the flight home, uh, night and day compared to the flight home from Calgary. It was a little somber coming home considering the team had just won. So For sure, yeah. Even the weekend was a little bit tough. I know there's a 24-hour rule that they like to apply, and I, I tried to apply it to myself too. Where it was, I was very sad for the just for Nathan and for, for everybody in this organization that it's obviously a hit when Nathan Rourke goes down. But, I mean, like we've just talked about, like Michael O'Connor in my mind is a capable quarterback in this league. And I think he's going to, it's a lot of deja vu here where people are saying, Nathan has no experience. He's a Canadian. We're talking about oh, yeah. around March, April time. Naysayers. Right? Yeah. BC's going to be last. They have no quarterback. He's a young Canadian. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of deja vu where I'm experiencing uh, this week. And um, I'm really looking forward to riding with O'Connor now uh, here on. 
Saw so many quote-unquote experts out there saying we would finish below 500. Well, all we have to do is beat Saskatchewan again Friday, and we clinch at least a 500 season. So, yeah. And sorry, this, you know, pardon my language, it's BS. People say, oh, the real season starts at Labor Day. It doesn't, <laughs> folks. This is why you bank wins early in case you, you, you run into some adversity. This team is still very much in good shape, very much in the driver's seat to host a playoff game. Uh, get to 9-1 and one before the bye here. Go to Montreal, a home-and-home with Calgary. You get a split in that Calgary home-and-home and home a win in these next two. You're, you're really in good shape. At that point, yep. you'd be getting to 10-3. and three, But I, I'm not going to assume this team's going to lose two or three games, not at all. But I'm just saying, you get to 9-1 and one here. That's a great positive first step. Win one of those Calgary games. Doesn't really matter what you do in Montreal although should be a heavy favorite going into Montreal. So all the best to Nathan Rourke. A speedy recovery. Would love to see you again this season. We're not going to close the door on anything. He's not closing the door. If you listen to his comments yesterday at bclions.com, and uh, <laughs> it's certainly provided us with some great fodder for this podcast and all the great stuff we do. But the good news is this is a hell of a football team, and uh, I expect we'll be winning quite a few games here in the second half of the season. As mentioned, Saskatchewan in town, the home-and-home series. Um, Tough to beat a team twice in a row, but this Lions team has proved to match up well with those two wins in Saskatchewan. We're going to talk in a few minutes to Rod Peterson, a host of the Rod Peterson Show, Game Time Network. He's on YouTube, Facebook, rodpeterson.com. Rod, of course, uh, used to be the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on radio, and he still very much has his finger on the pulse of this rider team, but maybe the riders limping a little bit. They're going to be without, I think, Duke Williams and Jamal Morrow. That's confirmed, yeah. Cody Fajardo, who knows if he's 100%, but they're saying he's going to start. So this Saskatchewan team is ripe for the picking, I think, again, and I'm interested to see what Rod says about that. Mm-hmm. Well, they obviously they got their three defensive linemen back on uh, last, last week. week yeah, yep. I thought they made a good impact, all three of them. Like, they were noticeable. It was a battle up again. front. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, that said, too, I think Peter Godbear, especially up front, really handled the zone uh, with the likes of Garrett Marino and uh, all their other defensive linemen they rotate up front. But um, you say that Duke Williams and Jamal Morrow, I'm interested to ask Rod about this. What's his take on the Riders' offense coming up? But that with Williams and Morrow out, they might be getting back the likes of uh, Shaq Evans and Kyron Moore to their receiving court this yeah. week, which is a huge addition. I know Kyron Moore had a massive game uh, here last year. I remember that. Um, and yeah. he's, he's one of the most explosive receivers. Right after in, Labor yeah. Day, yeah. And he's one of the most explosive CFL receivers in this league, but he just hasn't played in over a, almost a year now, so people maybe are a little bit sleeping on him this year. But, um, yeah, like it, it, should be a, it should be another good test. We already have the season, se- season series wrapped up uh, with two wins over the Riders, but, um, I mean, the, it's going to be a totally different game with Michael O'Connor under center, and I, I imagine their game plan is going to change, and... Um, it's it's going to be an interesting one in this West Division uh, period that we're in right now. Chance to pretty much bury these guys, and I know that's motivation enough. And Saskatchewan's getting some reinforcements. Uh, the Lions, perhaps. We'll see what happens. A couple pieces on defense maybe uh, up in the air, but we'll see what the Wednesday injury report says as we record this on a Tuesday. One more full f- practice day, then the walkthrough, and Back at home, expecting a good crowd too. So uh, head to bclions.com, all kinds of ticketing options for you. A kid 17 and under are in for $10, accompanying parents in for $25. Every ticket purchase also, special here, 
will grant you free admission to the PE this week. So very much an incentive, and I know our, our ticket sales guys talking to them are expecting probably the second biggest crowd of the year after that uh, unforgettable season kickoff against the Elks. First and now continues. We'll head to Miami, Florida. Yeah, Rod, quite the globetrotter. He was at the World Junior Hockey Championships, and now he's back in his second home in Miami, Florida, perhaps getting ready to cover some NFL training camps. Rod Peterson talking riders and more in a moment. And we now head down to, oh, look at his setup. Way to rub it in. Rod Peterson in Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Where are you, Roddy? Uh, specifically Boca Raton, Florida bakes takes, but you got the right idea, South <laughs> Florida. And I wore my orange just for you guys tonight. You noticed that, I hope. You're always on brand. You're always on brand. And Boca Raton, is that where Jerry Seinfeld's parents lived in the sitcom? Everybody says that. Let's put it this way. There's a lot of old people and a lot of rich people around here. I I don't fit in, but it makes me feel young every day here in Boca Raton, Florida. Well, was, Beautiful spot. I was going to say, you're definitely not old, so don't, don't yes, but don't t- don't sell yourself too short. Uh, great to talk to you. Uh, you've been you've been globetrotting like you always do. Uh, you just did a stint at the World Junior Hockey Championships. Um, so good on you for uh, getting out there and, and being at all the great events. We're going to talk about the riders and, and a lot of the other great, cool stuff you're doing, but let's kick it off with the football talk here. Obviously, Nathan Rourke, uh, the story, uh, Michael O'Connor is the man for the foreseeable future, but just your whole reaction to what Nathan was accomplishing this season, first and foremost, and the sad well, timing of his injury. Obviously, it's an incredibly unfortunate, and um, you know, you've known me, Banks, a long time. I'm, I'm going to tell you what I think. Whether people like it or not, I don't know. I I thought the NFL talk with Nathan was a little premature, even though the numbers that he was putting up. Uh, But we had him on our show. We're in year four of the Rod Peterson show. So we had him on when he was in Ohio, at Ohio. And just from his sheer maturity level, what, what you've gotten to know the last couple of years since he's been at BC Line, I was incredibly impressed. And, you know, we've had Neil McAvoy on our show. And Neil got very animated. When he said, stop calling him the Canadian quarterback. You would never know what his passport is. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, okay, okay. You know, but we all thought going into the season was a gamble to have your top two quarterbacks, Nathan Work and Michael O'Connor. Has anybody ever done that guy? Has anybody ever done that? I don't think so. Right. Yeah. Lo and behold, the Lions jump out to an eight and one start. Nathan's setting records, breaking his own records he's set. And I would put this back on you guys now. I mean, he's he's the first guy in a long time that just sells tickets. I know people in Saskatchewan that went to the game last Friday specifically to watch Nathan Rourke. They weren't even the biggest Ryder fans. They went to go see Nathan Rourke. Now that he's out for an extended time, and we'll talk about when he's going to come back, but has he had the numbers yet at 8-1 and one and the individual numbers to have earned an NFL tryout if the Lions were to let him out of his contract? I was just kind of wanting to see how the story ended. And I'm not sure we're going to be able to see that here in year one of him starting. Yeah, that's football. It can be a tough game. It can be a cruel game. And and yeah, I see it from a media side. I see it like people are going to harp on the Canadian aspect of it because we've had it, it's been several years, Rod, since we've had a Canadian have a regular starting role. Right. I mean, with due respect to the 
to the Brandon Bridges and and those that we've seen more recently. Like Russ Jackson is probably the most recent comparable, right? As far as being a regular. Absolutely. And the thing was, I saw Brandon up close, as did you, but I saw him for a little longer because he had two stints in Saskatchewan. And the thing was, Brandon got his opportunity to start. And unfortunately, he didn't capitalize when he was handed the brass ring. Nathan has. I had a front row seat for that. And Chris Jones was the head coach. And it was like any mistake Brandon made, he was going to be yanked. And that's exactly what happened. Um, So, you know, we called him Air Canada, Brandon Bridge, for lack of anybody else to have that nickname. (laughs) But he's a cop now in the Toronto area. One of the best guys you're ever going to meet. But he just didn't take it that seriously, unfortunately. Nathan, from what I see, and this is what you would know far better than I, he seems to be incredibly serious about his craft. And I love the interview that he did with TSN 1050 Toronto, where he said he's not really thinking about the NFL. If I'm right, he's, he, he wants to deliver for the BC Lions because they're the ones that gave him the chance. And there's something incredibly admirable in that, in my mind. Yeah, definitely wise uh, beyond his years, as they say. And uh, we know one thing, when he does return, uh, it'll be appointment viewing for everyone who cares about the CFL. Um, I know you keep close tabs on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, you talk a lot of football on your show, north and south of the border. Uh, just your overall read on this Riders team, 5-5 five and five at this point, probably a disappointment seeing as Grey Cup host year, right? Whether they like it or not, that's always a little extra incentive to win. What's your read on the Riders so far, Rod? Well, um, I was back there for a week at the start of August, just before the World Juniors. And at that time, they were on a buy-in on a three-game losing streak. And you can imagine, this is one of the biggest seasons in Rough Riders history because of them hosting the Grey Cup. And Matt, have you been around the league a long time? I've been around the league a long time. We got a lot of friends in the CFL. And I had people saying to me, look at this roster. This is not a Grey Cup caliber contending roster. And I thought, well... Jeremy O'Day has gone on record and saying they're not going to jeopardize the future for the sake of one season. And they did put all their eggs in one basket with Cody Fajardo, whom I'm still a fan of both personally and professionally. And clearly the Rough Riders are too, giving him close to a half a million a season and the highest paid Rough Rider ever. But between injuries, Cody wasn't great last week against you guys at your at the Riders' place. Everything at this point's gone wrong. You know, they're starting tailback Jamal Morrow's hurt, Garrett Marino, their defensive end, uh, given the high, or I guess D tackle, who's played the end at times, given the longest suspension in CFL history. Like it's been one dark cloud after another for the Rough Riders all season long. Now they're five and five. They're playing must win games. And that, in, that started about two or three weeks ago when they went into Edmonton and they won that one and then lost to you guys. But they're playing must win every week. And that's. That's a lot of pressure starting in August. So let's put it this way. We know Cody's going to start this week at BC. Michael O'Connor will start for the Lions. If the Lions beat Saskatchewan with a backup quarterback and the Riders are starting their number one guy, I can't imagine how upset they'll be in the Rider Nation. Panic button time, yeah. And how real is this quarterback controversy uh, chatter that's uh, kind of uh, becoming in Saskatchewan right now? I think it's fairly real when Cody gets pulled near the end of the first half last week. And again, you guys saw with your own eyes, he wasn't that good. And, and and I don't know. I'd like to talk to your defensive coaches on this. Mason Fine came in and had absolutely no problem 
moving the ball down the field and that first drive ending in the Justin McKinnis touchdown, it was textbook. Then they came up for the second half and it was like the Lions defense figured out Mason Fine just like they had figured out Cody Fajardo. I, I feel like the quarterback change last week kind of put the Lions defense on their heels. They were ready for Cody. They weren't ready for Mason Fine, but it took a 15-minute halftime break to, <laughs> to figure him out. And clearly they did. So how serious, Nick, is the quarterback controversy? I don't know that it's that serious yet because when the Riders came out for their first week, first day of practice on Monday, Tajarda was running the first team and he was named the starting quarterback by head coach Craig Dickinson. That may change after this week, but as I say, he's the highest paid Rough Rider quarterback of all time. I think they want to get their money's worth. You're going to put him on the field. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what his injury status is. Shoot, going back to week two or three, I heard that Cody was playing with a variety of injuries. And I don't see how that's changed. And I'm just thinking if he's that hurt, why is he playing? So just to examine the, what the Riders have done, you put a lot of money in that one basket. Whereas look at Montreal. They've got two quality quarterbacks in Trevor Harrison, Vernon Adams, and they split the duties. So you would think in a season where you want to be in the Grey Cup or maybe your job's on the line, you might have an insurance policy, but they haven't really had that. And then something I've been keeping an eye on this week is uh, the status of Shaq Evans and uh, Kyron Moore as well. And these are these are two receivers you know quite well. Um, if they return to the lineup this week, uh, how important is that for the Riders' offense? I think it's really important. I mean, going into the season, I would have put the Rough Riders near the top for a receivers group. Clearly, it's the BC Lions, which I'll be honest, kind of came out of nowhere. Mm. <laughs> they're on the verge of setting an all-time CFL record with three receivers with 1,300 yards each. But I would have put the Riders up there close based on what these guys have done. Shaq Evans has an NFL pedigree. Swerve Moore uh, doesn't, but he's as good as anybody. But they've been hurt. And as I mentioned, the starting tailback, uh, Jamal Morrow's not hurt. Duke Williams isn't going to play this week. And the Riders threw a quarter million dollars a year at him in the offseason. He's not going to play this week. So, Injuries have had a big part in what the Riders' uh, problems have been at 5-5. Five and five. So, you know, the big question is whether they get all those guys back. I don't think they're going to have – well, I know they're not going to have their full complement of receivers this week. So it's just another log to throw on the fire of the Riders' problems right now. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, you mentioned, too, that Jamal Morrow is going to be out. But, I mean, from what I've seen in Ben Hickson, he looks like a pretty solid uh, option now at running back for them, too, right? Well, that's the thing. The Riders' head scout is Paul Jones, who for years and years and years was the Edmonton Eskimos' head scout and was everybody in the CFL would give gives Paul the credit for what Edmonton was able to do when he was the head scout. So there was never – when we talk about going into the season and people saying the Riders didn't have a great cup contending caliber team, I was pretty content to say, you know what, this regime has shown the ability to find players. And Frankie Hickson is a, is a tremendous example of that. There's some – Younger studs on that team. But what the fans were saying going into the year was, this is not the time for a rebuild. I only go back to 2013 when I was calling the games. And I just remember the first day of training camp. I was looking, the guys were stretching. And I was looking over the field at the University of Saskatchewan. I'm like, my gosh, this is an all, this is a Hall of Fame team. Ricky Foley, G. Roy Simon, John Chick. You know, they, they went over the salary cap. Nobody cared. <laughs> And this was not the way that Jeremy O'Day went into the season. There was a lot of young, unproven guys. Jamel Morrow was one who, you know, for a period of time this year, led the CFL in rushing. These just aren't big household names. Everybody was fine with that. But then when the injuries hit, whew, um, it's kind of why people are so hot. There's a lot of not household names on that roster right now. Some are getting it done. Some aren't. 
Obviously, uh, go down memory lane here with the Riders uh, for a couple moments, Roddy. Uh, 2013 had to have been the pinnacle, but talk about some of your career highlights behind the microphone there in the Riders booth. What come? What else comes to mind? I often think about BC Place when I think about that. Yeah. Um, you know, to be honest with you, what was your first year, Matt, with the team? Uh, 2016. But those uh, well, those playoff games you're going to talk about here was there as a fan, and it was definitely some fun times. I think you're talking like 2004 to 2007 in there, right? Yeah, and I feel like that was just a different CFL. Just things were done differently back then. Um, Wally had had by, become entrenched in BC by then after – I think his first season in BC was 04, was it 03, not? yeah. 04 was the first. It was 03? 04 was the first home yeah. playoff game for him here, yeah. Okay, right. So, I mean, I tell people that there were 55,000 to 60,000 people in BC Place for regular season games. And to be honest, it doesn't seem like that long ago. Right. But I guess it really was. Um, but, you know, Spurgeon win, hitting G. Roy Simon on the last play of the game to win the game in lockdown first place in the West. And we, we would still end up coming back there for the West final a little later on. Carl Kidd, the longtime Lions fans would remember that name. Him and our GM, Roy Shivers, just had an absolute huge war in the media going after each other leading up to the end. There was a lot more sniping in the papers back then. Newspapers were a thing back then. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it just it just seemed just so big and the hatred was real now the funny thing is i never had a real personal rivalry myself with the bc lions you know me accusing them of pumping in crowd noise and stuff (laughs) which they did was more tongue-in-cheek calgary i hated it was personal it was professional both ways bc i've always said they've got probably the best game night atmosphere and presentation in the entire cfl i still think that those are just fun good honest games Sometimes we won, sometimes you won. That's what builds rivalries, right? Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head when you talk about different times. Like even remember, I started covering games as a reporter just after that, 08, 09, and walk through the day before a game was an event, right? You'd have six, seven, eight reporters there. You'd have a full press conference with both head coaches. That felt awesome, didn't it? Like, I didn't know anything different. <laughs> you know, that was... The way the CFL, CFL was to me growing up, and I started covering it in 1991 um, as doing sidelines for Rider Radio, and then I got the play-by-play gig in 99, and it was always that way. Once you got around a semifinal, division final, and obviously Grey Cup Sunday, it was a huge flock of reporters that would travel. It was NHL, dare I say, NFL caliber. I'm not joking. The press boxes were full. The stadiums were full, and you just felt like you were really part of something. And now with the way – it's broken down. I don't honestly blame the CFL for a lot of it. I blame the media companies for slashing their staff. There's just nobody to go cover it. Uh, doesn't mean the games aren't every bit as important. It just doesn't quite seem to have the feel like it used to. On that front, um, you've done quite well with the Rod Peterson show. Heard daily on, uh, you can see it on Game Plus TV, YouTube, Facebook. You have your own website. Talked about the fact you're doing some more shows down in South Florida there. Uh, how big of a change and adjustment has been has it been for you, Roddy? And it's clear that you love it too. Well, thanks, Matt. I, you know, it was just over a year ago. I just decided that I needed and wanted a change, and uh, kind of threw a dart and just kind of picked a place that I wanted to pick up stakes and try something new. 
And um, it's been great. Forged great relationships with the Dolphins and the Panthers. Um, go to all their games, at least in the wintertime. And then was doing the show out of Calgary for 17 weeks here in the spring and summer. And that was fun, too. So what I found was, I guess, you know, you say on that front, through a breakdown in traditional media, there seemed to be a void for what we're doing here. The American viewers, 20% of our viewers are American. The Game Plus TV airs in 31 states. They really love the CFL coverage because, as you know, they love football down here and they know who those players are. They know who Adam Big Hill is. They know who Mike Wiley is. You know what I mean? They know who Zach Calero, Zach Calero says. We are all through Ohio. It's the number one cable carrier in Ohio. Is Buckeye Cable that carries the uh, Game Plus, which is the Rod Peterson show. And then they love the hockey coverage, too. So every, you know, the NFL's covered, boys, just fine in America, as yeah. you know. Some of the other leagues that we talk about daily, people just really seem to uh, have gravitated to. So, you know, how could it not be fun? And, and to be treated as well as we are by these teams have been great. The Stampeders, the Flames, the Oilers and the Elks, the Blue Bombers, the Jets, uh, you know, in the Prairie region have all opened their doors. We want to get out to Vancouver. We've been invited by your bosses with the Lions to do it. And like I said, it, it airs on 927, channel 927 on Telesoptic Cable in BC. So we want to get out there and do that. So it's, it's fun to build something. It's fun to grow. And uh, starting over wasn't really something that was on my radar, but I did it anyways. And it's been a real fun ride. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's watching the CFL um, quite regularly this year, um, what's, what's your general takeaways on the entire league this season? I mean, we're about halfway through. Uh, Winnipeg stayed at the top throughout the season. The, the East has been up and down with everybody. But uh, what, what are your general takeaways on, on the season so far? I like that scoring's up. Not a, by a lot, but up is up, and that's good. 12 to 14%, I think, the last that I looked. I saw some fans debating on whether those nine rule changes in the offseason are noticeable to the naked eye, and I, I don't really think they are, but it must have contributed to the scoring being up a little bit. Um, what have I thought about the CFL season? Well, split the season into two halves. The BC Lions are the runaway most improved team. Nathan Rourke is the most outstanding player, and everybody's happy for what's gone on with the BC Lions because Rick Campbell's a great guy. Uh, obviously, Neil McAvoy is a great guy, and Amar Doman just seems like the coolest dude to walk. So we're all happy with what's happened with the BC Lions, but I'm disappointed with the East. Uh, I was looking at the standings mm-hmm. today, and the Argos were in first place at four and five. And while I never thought that the CFL should change its playoff format from the East-West, I think that we have to because if we did go to a top-six playoff format, the BC Lions would have a buy-in the opening week of the playoffs. They've earned it. They deserve it, but I don't think the CFLs. Well, we had the nine new nine rule changes, and that allows the CFL to say that hey, we aren't risk averse or change averse. We'll we'll look at things. How radical are they to change? Um, so on the field, the product's been great. Off field, I think there's still work to do, but it's coming. I was thinking about that too with with Saskatchewan sitting in fourth place in the West. They're kind of in a sweet spot right now, or no? In terms of crossing over, well. They don't think so. I don't think. Um, I'm hearing it from their fans, of course, that, yeah, fourth is where we want to be. Let's focus on fourth. Let's lock down fourth. And I'm thinking uh, if they got into that mentality, that's not the mentality you want. I know what you're saying. Yeah. You, you, you don't want to be fourth, but if it, if it comes to you this year, it, it may not be the, the worst be uh, prize. Well, of course. Yeah. But, dudes, 
I could sit and debate this all day and night because while the path through the East looks easier, I think there's a reason why nobody's ever done Correct. No Western team has ever gone through the East and advanced to the Grey Cup. And I know you always say that until the first team does it, but there has to be a reason. I don't know what that reason is other than I don't think it's real easy to go on the road and win a football game in the CFL. It's hard enough to win at home. I think the stats show that historically over the last 20 years, it's about 50-50 in the division final. But, yeah, I mean, if the Riders are forced to go East and, and they finish fourth, and I don't know how they finish any higher than that anyways, uh, then that's what lays before them. But I would say that's not something I would count on happening. I'll tell you what. Lions represent the West. Rough Riders represent the East. Uh, we'll take the home locker room. Riders can take the visitors' locker room. Everybody's happy, Rod. <laughs> can you imagine the thing is it's funny you say that the riders have what i think the fourth yeah the fourth best record in the cfl right now at five and five so they're as long as they're in the playoffs they have a chance but gentlemen i've been in bc for great cups with the lions and without the lions and there's a distinct difference when the home team is not in it and i think in saskatchewan i mean the media the award-winning Rob Vanstone from the Leader Post, who's been covering the CFL for decades, has written off this season entirely. He, like w- Whether they make the playoffs or not, he thinks there's no way they make the great cup. I can't say that now because they haven't been mathematically eliminated, but I think it would suck to not have the riders in the great cup. For your sake, I hope the BC Lions will be there, but I think you would need a university math calculus professor to figure out all the combinations. There's some, There are still some good teams, um, at least four that – well, three for sure that deserve to be in the Grey Cup, but only two can be. Yep. Hey, still have half a season to go here, so we shall see where all the chips fall. I'll tell you what, Regina for a Grey Cup is going to be a great party, no matter what teams are in it. That's going to be that's going to be an outstanding week uh, of Canadiana. Love the Grey Cup, uh, best event on the calendar as far as uh, I'm concerned. Love it every year, no matter where it is. Uh, Roddy, listen, uh, we appreciate you making the time here. Congrats on your success, and we'll be watching. And, yeah, perhaps we'll hook up here on the West Coast uh, for some shows before all's said and done. Oh, I would love to get out there, absolutely. And, again, uh, you're welcome on my program anytime, Matt. Thanks, Nick. Great to meet you. And go Lions. Very proud of the way it's come so far, so keep it going. And thanks for the time, boys. Yeah, you heard well. Thanks, Rod. You heard the man. Go Lions. First and now, the official BC Lions podcast. Excellent stuff with Rod Peterson, host of the Rod Peterson Show. You heard the man. Tell us Optic TV. You can catch him every day from 9 to 11. Great take on the Rough Riders overall. Yeah, yeah. I've, I have a ton of respect for Rod, and I, his CFL opinions are ones I always like tuning into. And I, like I said, I don't want to say I grew up listening to Rod, but um, throughout pretty much my teenage years, he was a, he was a main fixture in the CFL media that I consumed. And... Yeah, a lot of a lot of fun talking about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. There's always a lot going on there, and uh, li- living his best life now down in uh, in Florida. Yeah, maybe we'll have to go down and see him one of these days. Maybe host a podcast from down there. Thanks again to Rod Peterson for joining us on First and Now this week. Lions Rough Riders seven thirty mentioned some of the great ticketing options off the top. How about this fifty fifty jackpot, guaranteed jackpot of a hundred thousand. You can buy your tickets online, bclions.com, or better yet, buy a ticket to the game. Get your ticket at the stadium. Guaranteed jackpot of $100,000. Winner, of course, will take half. 
Uh, Lions Rough Riders, the third game of this Week 12 in the CFL. The action starts Thursday night. Winnipeg hosting Calgary. All signs point toward Jake Mayer starting for the Stampeders ahead of Bo Levi Mitchell. There's your storyline of the week for that game. Oh, yeah. But Winnipeg with a chance to get back in the win column after that crazy one against Montreal two weeks ago. They're coming off an actual bye week, are those Bombers. Yeah, who who, who would have thought they had a bye week? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Calgary, it looked like they kind of had to make that move last week. Uh, I'm at halftime about that game when they did go to Mayer for the second half in early football, Levi Mitchell. But I'm, I'm a little surprised that they're going to be um, uh, presumably s- sticking with Mayer for this game at Winnipeg. Um, I mean, one thing, too, last year we saw Jake Mayer go into Winnipeg in his second career CFL starts, and he threw for 300 yards, and uh, they lost on a, a last-second miss field goal to the Bombers. So, I mean, right. Mayer's shown before he can go into that a hostile environment, yeah, and lead his team to, um, to the promised land. Uh, so... I've always been pretty high on him, and um, if it is Mayor, it's not confirmed yet. But if it is him, I, I'm, I'm, my eyeballs are really going to be peeled to what he can do against uh, that Winnipeg team. And it's interesting too because Winnipeg's a game above BC right now, at nine and one compared to eight and one. So it would, in, in a way, it would help us out if Winnipeg w- was to lose. But then, if that happens, Calgary also gains ground too. So it's I don't really know what we're wishing for. I there, say but. go Blue Bombers. I mean, we're going to keep pace with Winnipeg. I say you get to nine and one this week from a Lions perspective. It almost doesn't matter what Winnipeg does this week. Maybe important to keep Calgary and Saskatchewan further down there. Let those two teams battle for third. But that's just one man's humble opinion. Thursday night at IG Field, first part of the Friday doubleheader. Another Toronto-Hamilton matchup. Great. Really going on on a limb there. Uh, they're going to meet several times here uh, still. they got the Labor Day matchup coming up. They just played each other twice in a row. What is Toronto? What is Toronto? I, I don't know. We, we've been wondering about Hamilton all season long. I know you think they're still the top team in the East Division, but until they do something consistently, I won't believe that. But it's anyone's guess what happens in this game. Oh, yeah, you're telling me. Uh, I mean, Toronto... AJ Olette, who filled in for Andrew Harris, looked really strong in he that did. game. And I think he's a good running back, too. But the Argos lost that game to Calgary. But Pick that, six. Yeah, like Cal- Calgary point. did not beat to Toronto. Toronto kind of beat themselves in that one. All they had to do, they're up 19-10, to 10, and I was, was watching that game live, and I'm thinking, perfect, we're going to get some help. The Toronto's two-score lead in the second half. But, yeah, that pick six just totally changed the entire landscape of that game. And... I think it does boil down a bit to McLeod Buffalo-Thompson just not being able to kind of seal the deal in that moment, unfortunately. I know the quarterbacking in the East has been so up and down, but yeah, I mean, Toronto just couldn't find a way to get it done at the end there. And then Hamilton, too, I thought they really missed, they had both their cornerbacks out in Jamal Roll and Seontay Evans. I think they really felt those absences. I'm not sure if they'll be back for this one, but uh, that's like, kind of what I, I attribute Hamilton's loss to, at least uh, to Mon- at Montreal that last week. They back and forth at the end there, too. Yeah, we'll be trying to pay attention to that one as we're getting ready to host Saskatchewan. Saturday, wrapping up the 12th week, another Battle of the Titans. The Elks <laughs> looking to sweep Ottawa and get that elusive first home victory since October 12th of 2019. I'm yeah. saying it, Nick. I got no trust in the Ottawa Red Blacks. None. Zip. Zilch. Nothing. Edmonton's winning again. You call. It, you heard it here. Oh, yeah, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this too, but I, th- I think I'd roll with Edmonton in this one too. Nick Arbuckle is starting for uh, for Ottawa against his old team. 
Uh, so a little revenge for him. And then if you're, if you're on the Edmonton side, a little revenge for last year because Ottawa actually swept them last year. You remember, right. obviously, those two games in 2021 that... Um, one of them was early on, right? It was week, week one, one. Yeah, yeah, week one. The crazy. Uh, I think I think the Elks had like four hundred and fifty yards, and they still ended up losing that game. But yeah, Edmonton just and my what I took away from that game was it was very Ottawa was a better team in the first half. Caleb Evans was moving the ball. It was kind of looked like okay, Ottawa's gonna kind of get back on track here, get back in the East Division here, and then the second half started, and Edmonton just totally changed the game with their physicality, I thought. I thought Ante Milanovic-Litre was a, just a force running the ball, and uh, Edmonton had these long drives kind of back-to-back. Um, they were in second and inches a bunch, so like Kai Loxley ended up having like seven carries for eight yards, kind of a funny CFL stat line, but Edmonton just kept moving the chains. Uh, I thought physically they were more strong, and ended up they, they punched in a couple touchdowns in the second half, and ran away with that one and I don't see it being that much different uh, this time around I tell you what uh, get this win against Saskatchewan maybe do the Elks a bit of a favor Edmonton wins and all of a sudden they're two points out of a crossover spot well it goes back to what God I love this league it goes back to what Rod was saying too about the divisions I mean Edmonton is sixth place in the league right now but they're they're unfortunately not really near a playoff spot right now and there's still a lot of season to be played, but yeah, it it really brings up an interesting conversation about the CFL um, playoff uh, landscape right now. Don't want to start yeah. any controversies here, but I I'm for getting rid of them. At this point, just, I mean, yeah, it's at this point when a team like us doesn't have that that bye week schedule, yeah. but a, a team that's under 500 like Toronto does, I mean, it has to be a conversation at least, right? And I know some traditionalists out there. Oh, it's got to be East West Grey Cup. It's got to be East West Grey Cup. Not at not at not in this format. It doesn't mm-hmm. like not when you said you're going to have a team below 500 probably in the East getting a bye and then hosting a division final. Yeah, that that's not right. I mean, we've seen New York play New England in the Super Bowl. We've seen an all California World Series. Um, it's really I, I, like I get it. Canada's smaller and it's a nine-team league, but there you go. Well, if, if we're if. If we're not allowed to talk about these league issues on a on a team podcast, I apologize. But there you go. I've these are all things I've said before. So. If, I think if you're a CFL fan, though, if your favorite team gets eliminated, you're not rooting for, uh, say, your favorite teams in the West. You're not rooting for a West team because they're in the West, right? You're right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm all f- this the storyline that you brought up to Rod about the the BC Saskatchewan Great Cup where they cross over and we get their locker room. That's <laughs> that that's an intriguing one. Ah, uh, it's yeah, one game at a time. I'm, yes. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm not by away. any means making any predictions. I was just kind of saying, wouldn't that be wild? Saskatchewan is the East Division champ in any circumstance, even if it's not against us. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're planning uh, to win every game we can and put the te- the team put itself in a good position to be there on November twentieth. But just saying, it's it's wild to think about. Great times. Uh, we are broadcasting inside the GoGoat Sports Studios at the Wall Center on Burrard. We're on Twitter at First and Now. I'm at Bakes Takes 84. He is at Nick underscore Kowalski. Nick with a K, no C, underscore Kowalski. You betcha. And we will, uh, I think we're going to take next week off. Uh, bye week for the team. Both of us kind of our schedules clashing with the days off we're taking. So uh, we will talk in two weeks' time ahead of a trip to Montreal. Boy, oh boy, that's always a great time. Love going to Montreal. Great times. Molson Stadium, great backdrop. And hopefully we're talking about a Lions team that's looking to improve to 10-1. and 8-1 Lions, 5-5 five and five Riders. Friday. Catch you later.